So we're going to get started. And it's a great day. I just want to welcome all of you here as you consume a very favorable box of goodies. All of you online, we welcome you. And those who will watch later by YouTube and listen by podcast, it is a great day. It is a second Sunday of December and we have no snow on the ground, so it's an awesome day. <laughs> and I just want to repeat something I said earlier. This is Journey into Wholeness through Holistic Grace, week 14. But right now we're going to talk some more about It Is Finished. Comes out of John chapter 19, verses 28 to 30. Jesus is on the cross and he says, It is finished and gives up his spirit at that point. And we started talking last week about it is finished. The word finished is complete, whole, done, fully accomplished, totally restored. It's over, it's done. We don't have to do anything because it's already been accomplished. But that took us into the discussion of what is it. And so before I go into what is it, I just want to talk about the mirror Bible. When you look at John 19, 28 to 30, in the footnotes on verse 30, it says, it is finished, communicates the final consummation of all things. Everything is now. Everything is now. Now concluded. And it's in, you know, that, that whole phrase is done in what's called the perfect passive tense, which means it's an action that was completed in the past, but the effects of it are regarded as continuing into the present without end. So it is finished as an ongoing present experience. And what is going on in that process of our journey through wholeness is we're unpacking what is finished now. And each of us are in a different place on our journey, and each of us have experienced a different aspect of what it is finished is, but it's completed. So not only is it completed in the past with present effects right now, the only possible way we can delay the now, the glory that follows the now, is if we underestimate what happened at the cross and what is happening with what Jesus did when he died. When we underestimate it, we limit it. And one thing religion teaches you is to underestimate it. God is a lot bigger than any of us have ever realized and way bigger than what I was taught in my religious days. It is finished is much bigger than I was ever taught in my religious days and much bigger than what I fully realized at this point. But I'm on a journey, and every day is a greater revelation of it. So, you know, the finished work is still unfolding in me and unfolding in you. And just because I haven't seen something in, in the now that I want to see doesn't mean it isn't finished. It just means I don't have a full understanding yet. And somehow, because I don't have a full understanding yet, I've underestimated it. And I'm here today to tell you, I'm going to light the dynamite stick and blow up the underestimations in your lives. <laughs> <Ruh -roh. laughs> 
we have the capacity to live much greater and much higher than we do right now. And I think there's a yearning inside of us that draws us to even more. How many of you have had that, those moments in your life when you go, God, there's just got to be more. There's just got to be more. And that's that inner yearning saying, show me more. And so it's all good. So I just want to cover a couple of other things a minute. You know, this perfect tense describes that completed action. His death is the death of for all time. He only died once, but the effects of that are forever. And, it result, and its results will go on forever, even after the world ends. The perfect tense does not emphasize the past. It focuses our attention on the present consequences of the plan of God. And that's when we start getting into the it. That making sense? Jesus' death is not about the past crucifixion. It's about the present experience of it and the destruction of what's called sin. And I, I, bet I, I had an opportunity to ponder that this week. In the garden, Adam and Eve, they had a perspective of the fullness of God, didn't they? I mean, they walked, they walked with God, they communicated, they chatted, they experienced, they loved everything was fully in their realm of experience. And we've been taught, though, that when they made the transgression, that then defined, at least in religious terms, as behavioral consequences came into place. But really what happened is their perspective changed. They had a change in perspective about God. Their whole perception of God shifted. And one could say that the reality of the cross, it is finished, is one thing is it reset perspective. Radical acceptance of humanity, <laughs> uh, original true identity restored. That's a restoration of perspective. And we need to know that. We need to hold on to that. We need to cheer that. Because if I'm if my perspective on something is still a little challenged, he's in the process of resetting it, a reset. It's not that difficult when we understand what is really going on. It makes it easier to allow the reset to happen, and he's doing the reset. The effect of the cross is Christ has done the reset. And now we get to experience it in and out. It's not tomorrow that I experience the reset. It's today if I choose. Choose life. Choose reset. And so last week we, we were looking at that. And then, oh, wow. It's a couple of. I pulled some things out of some articles that his work was finished and all God's purposes were accomplished. 
that all that all had now been done that could be done to make God known to men and to identify him with men. There's nothing else God will do to help us identify with him. It's already done. Now, there may be a distortion that needs, the, the dial needs to be adjusted a little bit so I can see more clearly, and the Holy Spirit does that. Sometimes he does it through prophecy. Sometimes he just does it through a, a, a touch, a word of encouragement, a song. A song in the moment is a reset when it touches our hearts. When it, when it bypasses our brain and goes to our heart, that's, that's just one of those touches that he does to help us realize the fullness of what he's accomplished. And then, whoo, like, I'm like, wow. When he says, God's, you know, it is finished. It's God's redemptive plan that was ordained before the foundation of the universe, which was spoken and released in the garden in Genesis 3. That is now complete. And we don't have to go from conference to conference to conference to conference, and as, we, as I did in my younger days, to try to find that completion, not realizing it was already here. And like, wow, you know, that's pretty wild. The cross then, when Jesus says it is finished, the cross is more than a crucifixion. It's the fact that everything God ordained has been completed. Every I dotted, every T crossed, all available. And it, it did away with works. I want to put that down here. One of the things about it is works, mentality, to get God's attention. That's been destroyed. That's one of those things that shifted, that perspective that shifted with Adam and Eve as they went from just having a full, fun relationship with God. And I think they had awesome fun. But they went from that to now I got to go to work. I got to get God's attention. Works mentality to get God's attention is destroyed. You've always had God's attention. Even in the Old Covenant, they had God's attention. They just made some choices that broke the covenant, which has its own consequences. But we live in a covenant that we can't break. Think about that. You cannot break the covenant. Because the covenant is, is made in the heaven, in the heavenlies with the Trinity. And you're a third-party beneficiary of it. So you can't break it. So everything that is finished is, is the fulfillment and the, and the launching of the new covenant. It launched the new covenant and simultaneously announced it's finished. The new covenant is complete. There's nothing more to be done to effectuate the covenant and the promises. And part of it... All the promises of God are part of the it. It is finished. And, you know, there's this tension between now and not yet. And that now and not yet is generally because we haven't come to the full understanding that it's finished in the moment for us right now. Now, there, you know, and that's 
And so that, that puts a tension there. So the more I begin to understand as I'm going down this path, the, the less that tension operates. But I am whole right now. I am complete right now. Carol and I have, oof, wow, mm, that was a dose. Mm. Carol and I have been talking and studying the concept of aging. And you can help me out here because I'm not sure I fully understand. But I'm either moving forward in, in wholeness or I'm deteriorating. And when I begin to accept what society says about old age, I start to deteriorate. But aging is a function sometimes of the mind. So if I'm active, fully active, exercising, making choices on, on, on nutrition for my body, I'm actually, I'm actually in alignment with it is finished at that point because wholeness, good health is part of the covenant. But I can choose to step outside the benefits. Doesn't mean they're revoked, but I can choose to step outside. And if I choose to look at myself as becoming functionally limited with age, then I'm decaying, I'm deteriorating. And Carol and I were talking the other day too about, and she's getting a lot of information from this from the book. But you know, when you see people shuffling, it's because they haven't really exercised these muscles in here, and so that limits their movement, and it limits then their. I think it limits their lung capacity because they're not moving fully. And so we can choose to line up with it is finished, and in the choices we make. We're recognizing that. Or in the choices we make, we're rejecting it. Because God has given us the capacity to choose. And so where my thoughts are, I'm whole, I'm healthy. Then I should see that. Unless I'm sitting there, you know, I mean, I could. How many of you know Twinkies have, have a life shelf of about 25 years, right? Because of all the stuff they put in it. I could sit there and eat Twinkies all day long and. And I might have some issues. I do that day after day after day after day. You say that after eating stone. I didn't say anything about the donuts. You did. <laughs> I was being very careful. I think the donuts are great when you do it, you know, when you just do it occasionally. Carol? Well, I have a comment, but it goes back to something you said a little while. You're talking about it is finished, and then we in the now, and yet, and not yet, so to speak. And it reminded me of, uh, what, 20 years ago, we decided to sell the house we were living in at that time. And I remember at one point, it just spoke into my spirit, the house is sold, okay? But that was a year before we even put the house on the market. And, and I never doubted that the house was sold. Never doubted once. So even though I knew it was sold, that's it is finished. And even though there was, you know, a, a time in the Newtonian calendar 
before we actually even put it up for sale. I never lost sight of it sold. Never. And it sold fast when it was on. I had the first person who came through it, bought it. Yep. That's a good example. The now, but not yet. We know that we know that we know that we know. But there may be a little bit of time before it manifests. But the not yet did not persuade me from the it is. Yes. Yes. Gary. I was just thinking I had to look it up. I can remember her name. We're talking about aging with things. Helen Langer's 1979 experiment with the older men that were taken to that old home that was decorated in the years and era of when they were younger. And they showed up feeble, shuffling, as you talked about, and were told, nobody's taking your bags to your room. Nobody's taking anything for you. You have to do it. You take, have to take one shirt at a time up there. And they spent, I can't remember how long, a week or two there. And at the end of that week or two, their cognitive functions were better. They actually played a football game on the front lawn before they allowed there. They did. They were allowed to, to talk about anything other than what happened in that era. There were old records, old radios that played the music of the day and all of those things. Yeah. And that's just one experience. Many, many experiences, experiments like that have been done. Oh, yeah. And which comes back to and something I want to start talking about after the first of year is your thoughts are important. If you think you're infirm, you are infirm. It will catch up with you. If you think you're not infirm, if you think you are full of life and vitality, that will come out too. And so we'll talk about that after the first of the year. And one of the things is it is finished is all barriers to the tree of life were removed. I mean, if you follow the story in Genesis, Adam and Eve were ushered out of the garden and a, a century was set to keep them from the tree of life. Well, Jesus is the tree of life. And on the cross, he manifested the, the return to the fullness of access to the tree of life. I'm going to read that for you, Sharon. <laughs> All barriers to the tree of life removed. Okay. How exciting is that to know that the barriers to the tree of life are removed and you have free access? Well, it gives meaning to when they ask Jesus, what is the work I must do? He goes, just believe that you already have it. Now, the phrase already, but not yet to other things, but it does. that doesn't apply to the cross. Exactly. To the benefits of things that have come through the cross, it's a now. Yeah. Now, there may be some, some aspects of events to take place in the future that have been prophesied. That's a not yet moment until it happens. But the majority of our life, we can sit in, it is finished, and go, we hit an obstacle. Oh, wait a minute. Problem's already solved. Mm -hmm. It is finished. And I go to I go to gratitude and I go to worship, and suddenly I get, oh, here's the answer. It, mm -hmm. it is correct to say though, it's only not yet because we're we're dealing in the time-bound realm that we that we live in. But once you get outside of that realm, it's yeah. 
part of the, part of the manifestation of the not yet is the limitation of the natural realm. I get that. You're right. So while we're while we're in that perceived of not yet, if we stay in that, it is now. It is now. It is now. Mm -hmm. Just stay there. Stay there. Rather than going, oh, it's mm -hmm. not yet. It's not yep. yet because that keeps pushing it. Keeps pushing it out. Yeah. And that's where Steve McVeigh comes in. Because he's, you know, the, the quantum perspective is it is now. It is now. Infinite possibilities. Possibilities are now. Yes. And that that's one of those perspective changes that's being reset. Because, you know, we were, I grew up in the Newtonian physics system. High school was geared around science, was geared around the Newtonian system. You know, you push here and there's an equal and opposite reaction over here. And, and I mean, all kinds of things that went with that. And that's being reset as well as we as we realize the kingdom is now. It's not limited by time and space in the natural realm. It's unlimited. But we're getting our understanding cleared up about that, which then helps me realize it is finished as a now event. They said it happened in the past, but it's manifesting now in my life, in your life. It's a now moment. The works that Jesus did when he healed and things, even from a distance, it was always that self-same hour that servant was healed. It's like every time after time after time, it was in now. Yeah. I mean, there were a few times when, you know, the healing took place as they went, but it was. Right. Contemporaneously with it is finished, hmm? but it, it's it's already done. Yeah, you know you when you start talking about foreign members that we are being in our fleshy bodies are constrained by time because that's the realm we live in. But you even look at the if you consider the um, return of Christ and the new heaven and the new earth coming down and. That's already, but it's not yet. Yeah. But it is, it's, I mean, outside our timeline, it's already, mm -hmm. it's there. Mm -hmm. And we can experience the establishment of that from the heavenly perspective. We can tap into some of that right now. Yes, as much of it as we want. And so a lot of what we, have been learning on our journey is this reset on perspective. And there's so many different aspects you could look at it. And one I told you last week, I wanted you to I wanted you to read read 1 John 3 8. How many of you did that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I caught you. Not yet. <laughs> no, but not yet. I already read it. <laughs> Let me get there. First John chapter 3, verse 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Well, talk about a contradiction, right? In one sense, well, if you're sinning, well, define sin, first of all. Uh, and we talked about that last week. If you're defining it from a behavioral perspective or a choice perspective, 
uh, that leads to behaviors, you know, that's 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 a different context versus just not knowing who you truly are. But the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So if someone walks around, and I'm sure you've heard it, because I heard it a lot in my charismatic days, the devil is doing this to me. The devil is doing that. The devil is causing the world to fall apart. Well, how big is your devil? How big is your God? I mean, that whole perspective of this God and Satan are at war, which is part of the charismatic culture, part of the evangelical culture. Somehow Satan has got an elevated status to be equal to God. Well, if it, if it is finished, then, and, and you have this Satan on an elevated equal status, then Jesus didn't finish it. And that's assuming you treat Satan as a, as a being. Now, it is finished means every work of, the, of Satan, the devil, has been destroyed. Done. Objectively done. But every time I walk around and go, the devil did it, the devil's after me, I've now breathed power into whatever the devil is, whether it's thoughts in my brain or it's a being, I have suddenly empowered that. Because you have dominion and authority, Jesus has given you all authority, but you can transfer just like Adam did some of that power. Perspective. Perspective. Yes. Go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. See, I, you know, I could have gone back in October when my tooth died and my body reacted. I could have gone, that dang devil's after me. Or I could have gone, it's a blip on the radar screen and God has already finished it. And that's what I chose to do. But look at Colossians 2.15. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Let's stop there and we'll go to, that was verse 14. I wanted to hit that one a minute. But everything that has ever occurred in your life, whether by choice or by imposition of others that have led to darkness or despair in your life has been nailed to the cross. So why am I holding on to that? And that's even in the future. And that's even in the future. Yeah. And then he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So if Jesus finished it and already put the devil and, and Satan and demons on, in, in a place where they've been disarmed, they've been put to open shame. He's triumphed over them. Why are we still hearing people say the devil is after me? The devil caused this. Perspective. It, it's because our perspective is we haven't fully embraced that it is finished. You know, when you hear someone say, Geraldine, Flip Wilson's character, Geraldine. The devil made me do it. 
No. But then we're not responsible for it. That's the point. You 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 can go into victim mentality, and victim mentality sucks life out of you. I'm a victim of my circumstances. I don't have any control. I don't have any input. I don't have any power. And that's a lie. You have all control. You have all power because it's been delegated to you. Go to First John. No, I don't want to go there yet. Hang on. Go to Matthew 28, 18. I'm sorry. Let's go to Matthew 28, 18. This is where Jesus, I'll just tell you, this is where Jesus says, all power I have, now go and make disciples of all the nations. If Jesus has all power, where does the devil get power? He doesn't. He doesn't have any. Because I can't find a verse where Jesus said, I'm sharing my power with the devil. I want it. Bring it. Come on. Bring it. Let's fight this out for eternity. No. It's done. It's gone. But that's one of the lies when Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days that the devil tried to say, look, I'll give you power. I'll share what I have with you if you only believe May you bow down to me. Yeah. He says, no. Because he knew he had all power himself. Yeah. Yeah. So if you consider Satan or the devil to be a being, the best they can do is lie to you. Most of the time, most of the scriptures talk about the con the word Satan is in the context of our own thoughts and our own desires. So we think ourselves into a into the box. We think ourselves into darkness. Not that the devil nudged us, but our thoughts are so powerful, it changes our now moment. So, and it and if you do nothing else but remember John 3, 16 and 17 in the context of, of battles with the devil, so to speak, the father's vision was to do what? Yeah, save the whole world, restore all things. And verse 17 is, and I don't choose, I didn't send Jesus to condemn anyone. So you could say that Jesus ended condemnation by God. I mean, from a perspective of God. See, God didn't come to condemn anyone. But man has assigned that to God because we want justice on our terms. End of the condemnation from a perspective of God. John 3, 17. I did not send Jesus in the world to condemn anyone. So if I start making choices to condemn people, I am... I am not practicing from the finished works perspective. I'm not. I judge someone and start to condemn them in my thoughts and in my heart. That's an area that I still need to have some revelation in. Because I am not here to condemn. If, if Jesus isn't here to condemn anyone, why do I think I have the right to do that? Mm -hmm. And how speak to the in Romans where it says, therefore there is no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, it is finished, included everyone. If Jesus came to save the world, either he did it or he didn't. Didn't, And if he did, that means everyone. From an objective perspective, everyone walks in the finished work. So where does the rest of that statement for those that are in Christ Jesus, is that perspective of what you believe? I think so. I think it is because the concept of forgiveness, we've already been forgiven. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I need to I need to experience and, and participate in forgiveness so that my perspective changes. My heart changes. And so forgiveness is not something that I need to beg God for because I already have it. But sometimes I need to go into forgiveness mode to clear my own conscience. And I think that's part of what Paul was saying in Romans there is there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But, you know, and, and I don't think that was an exclusion of all others. I think it was, hey, you're in Christ Jesus. Open up your eyes. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Yeah. But that verse has been used in religious circles to go, you're in, you're not. You're not chosen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so... Everything then that has been finished is a, is a manifestation of grace in our lives. And I guess you could, one, one commentator I read says, said grace is like an anti-venom to the things that we've been bitten by. Mm -hmm. So if I've been bitten by condemnation or unforgiveness, grace is the, is the anti-venom. Go to take a look at Luke chapter four a minute. Ooh. Grace is, grace is the anti-venom to the things that we've been bitten by. Mm -hmm. Luke chapter 4, verses uh, 18 to 21. If you go there, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and he sat down, and today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So, one of the things that it is finished includes those things there, and those that was um, actually Isaiah 61 being read by Jesus. So, what, is, what has he done? He's proclaimed good news. That's finished. The proclamation of good news. You can't add anything to it. It's done. What is the good news? It's the gospel of Jesus. It's grace. He's, he's So he's proclaimed the good news to the poor. And, and the poor there doesn't necessarily mean financially. It just means those who are poor in spirit, poor in spirit whose eyes had not yet been opened. Proclaim liberty to the captives. Oh, my gosh. What a great day when we learned that we didn't have to live in religion and the law anymore. That was liberty. Sight to the blind. And liberty to the oppressed. And the year of the Lord's favor. So one of the things that's finished is he's unleashed the year of the Lord's favor. Which is the same, I think, as we talked about last week. Unleash the Lord's favor. 
it's an ongoing no holes bar release and i think it's like the abundant life restored the year of the lord's favor and that's that's huge you deserve favor you have favor you are you are not disqualified from favor there's nothing you've ever done that disqualifies you from god's favor it's there but you see one of the things we've been taught is it's it's selfish to ask for those things that we consider favor it's prideful to think that you're entitled to everything God wants to give you, to everything that he's already released for you. It's pride to say, you know, I have all things that pertain to life and godliness. You're prideful. I'm blessed. See, depends on where your perspective is and how it's been changing. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is yours now. Do I believe that? Do I conf do I embrace that? Do I see it in the finished work of Jesus? Or do I still consider myself unworthy? Because that's part of the battle of the mind. Am I worthy? Am I not worthy? So that all those things have been restored. Our identity we talked about has been restored. Luke 23 a minute. Verse 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He said this on the cross. They know not what they do. Who's them? Romans. Romans. Everyone. Everyone. Everyone, everyone that was there didn't know what they were doing. Everyone that participated in the crucifixion really didn't see the big picture. But that, but that's like the word all. Father, forgive them. Forgive all, for they do not know what they do. And when you look at the word uh, forgive there, it means to let go, to remit, to send away, or forgive a debt. Hmm. Hmm. Father, forgive them. Don't hold this action against them. Don't hold their unbelief against them. Don't owe their lack own. Uh, don't uh, hold their lack of understanding against them. They don't know what they're doing. And so now we have it is finished and the reset going on. And that forgiveness extended backwards from the cross, in the now of the cross, and extended forward, or extends forward. Why? Because not everyone has had an awakening yet. Not everyone has started the process of reset yet. They don't know what they do. And so God goes, I get it. And Jesus is saying, you gave them to me. I forgive them. Father, you forgive them. And so the Trinity forgave everyone and continues to. Take a look at Luke chapter 10, 22 to 24. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, 
for who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what, what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. See, prior to it is finished, people had a limited perspective of who the Father was. Very little in Scripture about the Father before the cross. And then, bam, after the cross, there's this explosion of awareness of the Father. Jesus came to, as part of his finished work, to reestablish what the perspective of God was in the gardens. Kind, loving, uh, good to be around. That whole perspective, so it is finished, changed the attitude about Papa. I think I wrote somewhere in here about that, but I may not have. So we, we get a fresh perspective of Papa, and that holds us on. And, and you can take every promise of God that you find in Scripture and go, that's that's finished. You can take the prophetic words you've been given that that resonate in your heart, and you go, that's finished. But there may be an action part on your part that has to walk with that. See, I, I'm looking at, in part of my dissertation process, is I'm looking at there's the sovereign part of God and then there's our our part. Is there an agency part? And so if I give Gary a prophetic word that talks about his identity, then the only agency part is to go, yes. If I give Gary a sovereign a, uh, a prophetic word inspired by his sovereign God that says, Gary, you're going to start a business and this is what it's going to look like. Gary has an agency component where he has to now start going, okay, what does that look like in, in the in the natural and are there things that I need to do? I like to use the thing, I, I give Gary a, a prophetic word that God, God is going to turn you into a brain surgeon. Well, Gary better go to better go to medical school because I don't think God's sovereignly going to put Gary in an operating room and have him start playing with people's brains, and I, especially mine. I'm not going there if he hasn't been to med school. So so there's the sovereignty part, and there's an agency part, and it's the same with the promises, it is finished. The sovereignty part is it's finished. The agency part is my response to that. Yes, no, maybe. You know, sometimes God is yes, no, or maybe. I just don't know. But the reality is, I should be able to go yes or no. And that's kind of, so that's kind of this whole concept of the finished work. You got your, you got the thought. Okay. You know, on the, in Luke 10 that you were reading these verses, and it said, all things have been handed over to me by my father, and no one knows who the son is except the father, and no one knows who the father is except the son. And then the lines he finishes it and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him and i think that's where a lot of people go well there's there's going to he's going to pick out who he wants there's the elect but that really that line is okay i believe that line anyone who the son wants to choose to reveal him 
the son chose to go to the cross yeah. to reveal yeah. the father. And it was finished. So he chose everyone yeah. to reveal. Yeah. And somehow we've, we've gotten in our head that 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 choice is not all inclusive. And here's a here's a statement yeah. I want and I want to get your reaction. This is Richard Rohr from the book The Universal Christ, and he makes the statement that divine perfection is precisely the ability to include include what seems like imperfection. God is divine perfection, right? I was taught that God couldn't be around sin. Couldn't look at it. Couldn't look at it. And yet the scriptures are full of examples where he was totally interactive with sinful people. So here's this divine perfection is precisely the ability to include what seems like imperfection. So people who are judged as not being perfect people who judge themselves as not being perfect, you know, God, why would you want to be around me? If you, you know, you know what I've done, why would you want to be around me? See, they're, they're, they're letting that sense of imperfection come up when God's saying, well, no, you're already perfect, but I don't have a problem getting into the midst of your darkness of your sense of imperfection because I, I include everything in my kingdom. And so perfect divine perfection is precisely the ability to include what seems like imperfection. So when someone says that person's out because no, God's in the midst of that person's life. I just think that's totally fascinating. I mean, I was, I was told once by somebody that one of the, one of the reasons they can justify Eternal conscious torment is because God can do whatever He wants, and and I see God able, you know, God able to take all these people and burn them in hell if He wants to. Okay, but I choose to see God as doing the opposite. Well, you're a heretic, Jerry. When it comes to things like that, I've been going to the prodigal son and how the father treated. The son that went off. You know, there was there was no punishment for any for the son coming back. Nobody had to be punished. Nobody had. And in his filth, the father still embraced him and told him he was welcome. But the son still had a choice to come home or not. Yeah. And I and I put that in you want to go into Revelation that you know, new heaven and new earth, the door is always open. And the bride and the groom say, Come. There's going to be people who still don't want it. And you go, why? And his love for you, he says, no, come on. Mm -hmm. I'll take you. You're already here. Yeah. And the great argument, or the, one of the great debates is, is there a time when eventually they all surrender? That's, we'll have to find out. Yeah. That, I mean, because, you know, there's the scripture the that father's says. father's desire. Yeah, the father's desire. And, it, and there's a time when every knee will bow. So does that, and, and, and knowing God, it's not by force of, of a sword. It's by the force of love. By the force of love, yeah. And love can feel painful if you're, if you're not in tune with it. Um, so let me hear what you guys are thinking, because I think I've covered what I really want to cover today. 
And I know it's a little early to be done, but you know what? Sometimes I just have to do that. What are you guys thinking? What are you hearing? Muriel. You with us, Muriel? Welcome to Muriel World. I'm here, but it's hard to talk right now. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll come back to you then if you want to. Over here on this side of the room. What are you guys hearing? What are you absorbing? Really weird to sit there and think that when he died, so that's the thing that everybody had lost or, or rechanged in the Western thinking is that when he died, he took care of everything right then and there. And you just, you didn't grow up that way. Yeah. There's still, you know, all the evil and all the, well, people are always going to be evil. I mean, there's some that just refuse. But they have also said other things. Mm -hmm. Are there, are there God or worship? It's really wild. Mm -hmm. Food for thought. Yes. Mm -hmm. That was that was an eye opener right there. Never thought of it that way. Yeah. Have him unpack that for you. Just ask him, and he'll show you more. Hi. Anything you want to add? No comments. No comments. Greg, I've commented. You commented enough, Gary. I think the key to that statement that that gentleman made seems imperfect by whose perception, mm -hmm. by whose definition. Mm -hmm. It's like what we talked about a few weeks ago about um, being, us being able to get beyond the perceived limitations of man. Mm -hmm. They're not real, but they're perceived. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's so much of that that goes on within us that uh, that's what we need to be fun Yeah. And every day, it's, it's as long as I'm wanting that, it's happening. So. Sharon, anything you want to add? Yeah, uh, yeah, something's not cooperating with me. Oh, here it is. Um, I was fortunate to grow up with Bill Gaither's music mm -hmm. in my home. And there is a song called It Is Finished. And he always ended his live concerts with it. It's very powerful. And I was just looking for the lyrics, and the bottom line is, it is finished, and Jesus is Lord. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's the way it goes. Mm -hmm. It's very detailed throughout the song, but um, talks about there's a line is drawn through the ages. On that line stands that old rugged cross. On that cross, a battle is raging for the gain of a man's soul or its loss. Mm. And, and it just goes on and on. And that has been with me through this whole discussion. Ah, yeah. Good, good. It's there. It's yeah. real. Yeah. It's always been there. Yeah. Carol, nothing. Okay, now you can stop the recording.